Hi guys, it's Erica from Martinis and the Macabre. Before we start the show, we'd like to take just a minute out uh, share our new podcast buddies with you guys, the Bloody Murder Podcast with Barney and Tara, featuring true crimes from not only Australia, but abroad. So listen to this spot, and then when you're done, enjoy the show. And he goes, don't be a hero, mate. And I said, I'm not trying to be a hero, but the police are coming. Good evening, and this city remains stunned by yesterday's massacre. They are indeed. Let's get murdering. What were you thinking that first moment when the crocodile latched on? Smell the glory, daddy. Senor Nakupa. I was singing, I'm gone. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. We make bloody murder. Indeed. It's a weekly true crime podcast focusing on lesser known serial killers and crime stories from Australia. And around the globe. I like eating bananas and punching children. And I ran out of bananas. <laughs> Bloody Murder is available on iTunes, Stitcher. And pretty much everywhere. Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. person in the world the the one that came in my store uh for those of you new that are listening i run a liquor store we're in indiana and in the state of indiana you can't have cold soda in the liquor store it's against the law that's why like in in this town or any in indiana you know you go to a liquor store there's always coke machines outside because you can have cold coke out there it's not inside the building anyway but you can have cold water and no 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 i can have cold yoohoo but i can't have cold water but i can have cold gatorade it's the dumbest shit. <laughs> anyway, so this guy came in a long time ago, and you could listen to it in one of the earlier episodes. I can't remember which one it is. And he came in and asked if I had cold Coke. And I said no. And he said okay. And then turned back around and asked if I had cold Pepsi. And I thought, and I literally said out loud, I said, are you fucking with me? <laughs> and it turns out he was Because the only thing dumber in Indiana than the stupid laws are the stupid customers. <laughs> So when he left, I was like in awe. I was like, wow. I, I was like, that's like a white buffalo. Like, wow, I found an actual moron. <laughs> but uh, Friday. I it's met, now Monday when we're recording. Yeah, I met somebody that topped him. Really? Yeah. Nothing to brag about. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> She's a regular. A regular enough to where she comes in and I know what she wants. Like, she'll come in like twice a week. Yeah. Maybe like the age of my mom. And... She came in and got her vodka, and she always smelled like dog. Ew. Like wet dog. Ew. Yeah. The kind of, you, you can kind of taste it. You know what I mean. And she came in, got her vodka, and she's like, well, this is the last you're going to see me. And in my head, I'm like, oh, thank God. But I was like, oh, um, are you moving? And she said, yeah, I'm moving. I'm moving out of the country. And I was like, oh. And she said, yep. And I got like 18, 19 grand in escrow, and... um. Got my plane ticket. I'm going to polish off this vodka and go get on a plane and leave. I said, did you kill somebody? Just joking around, you know? <laughs> and she said, no, doctor wants to cut my feet off. <laughs> I was like, say again? 
And she said, the doctor said that both my feet need, need to be amputated. I said, oh. And that I said, necessitates you moving yeah, out of the country? I said, but I said, I don't want to get like in your business, but you're taking your feet with you. <laughs> and she was like, yep, and they're going to stay on me. Fuck that. I said. You know, surgery is optional. I, I Thank you. It's called AMA, right? Against medical advice? Well, that's if like you leave a place against because medical all, all advice. Because all they had to do is like Dr. Kuhn. It's informed consent. They're informing you. You can consent or you cannot consent. You have the right to refuse any medical treatment. Yeah. So all that had to be done is like, doctor's like, uh, we're going to have to uh, amputate your feet. And you go, no. Okay, thanks. Bye. And then just don't come back. Yeah. It's fine. You, you don't, don't have to leave the country. You plane and fly away. Unless, of course, there are no other doctors in the world except America. <laughs> if that's the case, run forced, run, forced <laughs> run, if that's the case. But I have a feeling... A doctor's going to tell her, we're going to have to amputate your feet, but it's going to be in a different fucking language. Instead of ma'am, it'll be like senorita. <laughs> yeah. But it's still pretty much the gist of, we let me get these feet up off you. Mrs., we are going to have to take your feet. I wanted to say you're shooting yourself in the foot, but <laughs> the bitch would have just ran away given how she feels about feet. I, I did not know this story before you told it, and I was half expecting you to say... She was flying to another country, and then you were going to ask what country, and she'd say, like, Idaho. No. <laughs> That's just a Bumbleton. No, this this person is a fucking moron. I mean, you're not running away from your problems. You're literally running on your problems because they're still on your feet. She probably can't run if they're not that good. But, you, I mean, like, she still has them. And it's dangerous. I don't get it. Maybe I'm the dumb one. I just... And when she left, I stood there at the counter with my hands on the counter like, but... But you, they're... they're. You still got fucked up feet when you land. Just because you're in a different time zone does not change your feet. The foot bone's connected to the shin bone. And trays up. And <laughs> we're having chicken and chicken for dinner on the flight. I don't know. I don't get it. It's best of luck to her. I don't think it's going to work out, but best of luck to her. Wow. Welcome to Martinis and the Macabre on that note. This is the podcast where we discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. I am your host this evening. My name's Erica. I'm joined by my co-host and husband, Billy. Just politely decline the surgery. Really is all you need to do. I appreciate your investigation of my circulatory system. And I politely decline. (laughs) Did you just assume... (laughs) <laughs> my foot condition Ooh, he's bobbing his head Mm-mm. all right dumbass motherfucker mm. i would say only in indiana but i've met stupid people elsewhere so but we're good at it yeah we's the best that was an ugly face i made wasn't it well, you're never ugly oh thank you so ew don't make that face no <laughs> the normal face <laughs> when i'm just looking at the mic Uh, Oh, you're gorgeous, you know it. (laughs) So, if any of you follow us on our Facebook or Twitter, which you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre, and Twitter is Martini underscore Macabre, we announced within this past week that we're going to be having our first two-parter. Because as I researched on this topic and started outlining it, 
there's just a whole lot of freaky shit that can't be all condensed into one episode unless we made it like a two-hour episode, and you guys probably don't want that. So, instead, we're going to set you up with the whole premise here, let you stew on it for a couple weeks, and then come back and discuss what may have happened. Yeah, this is good. For us to uh, converse between episodes and be like, what the fuck happened? And we could, we could be like, you know, I know, right? Yeah. yeah. And we do want to thank you guys for listening to the ad at the beginning of this episode. Um, we've recently become fast friends with the host of Bloody Murder. That's Barney Black and Tara Sarabin. Yeah, it's, a, it's an Australian podcast, you could tell by the ad that we played. And uh, they they do they usually do uh, two cases per episode, and they're ver- they're very good. They have a good... Good production value. Mm-hmm. They're very funny and uh, just really sweet on Twitter. They have a good back and forth. Yeah, I like them. It reminds me of us. It feels like two people that I could that we could probably just go out to like Applebee's and yeah, and just chill out with. Uh, they're they're slightly kinder than us. We like to say fucking shit and damn a whole lot more, but <laughs> oh fuck a lot more. But but they're they're a nicer version of us, I suppose we could say. And before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Heather Rottweiler. Yes, thank you. <laughs> On the Friends of the Martinis and the Macabre Facebook page, that is a separate Facebook page you can join um, that was started up by friends and family and supporters of the show. My sister. Yes, <laughs> by Sarah. And uh, Heather Rottweiler has been making some awesome fan art and posting it on there. So, if you're following us on our Facebook page, also follow us on Friends of Martinis and the Cobb and see some awesome artwork. Plus and, a new one by Phaser765. And it, it behooves you to just go ahead and listen to all the episodes if you haven't yet. That way, when you see the fan art, you get it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's really, if you haven't listened to the episodes and you look at the fan art, you're like, what the fuck is this? But if you listen, if you listen to the episodes, you'd be like, oh, ha, cool. You'll get it. It's really cool. <laughs> it's very awesome. We appreciate it so much, Heather, and we really appreciate the engagement back and forth. We've been getting a lot of new Facebook followers and people sending us messages and showing us some support, and it's really great to actually see it and hear it from you guys. It makes it feel like we're actually doing something worthwhile to more people than just us. (laughs) So So, So keep it up. Yes, please. Great artwork. Okay, so let's jump right into this twisted fuckery of a tale. Hmm. I started reading it. I uh, had to stop because I've been really busy lately. And um, I tell you, this is fucking weird. I'm going to go ahead and say it before we even get started. Wife did it. Which wife? First one. So the ex-wife. The ex-wife did it. Hmm. I haven't finished the whole thing, so I don't know. We'll find out together. But Well, we won't because it's 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 still still a mystery. Well, according to the coroner, the medical examiner, and um, Steve. the military, and Steve... Who works at the Shell Station. Yeah, Steve, you. He knows people. According to all those people, this was a case of suicide. But looking in on it from the outside, it looks potentially like a torture murder. So this is the mysterious death of Colonel Philip Shue. So what we're aiming to cover this first episode is what happened the day of his death, what the coroner reported, and then next episode we'll follow up with the aftermath of uh, Colonel Shue's death and 
some big fucking questions that we have stewing around. And we're going to find out if Philip's okay. He's not. He's dead. That's why we're covering it. Thanks for listening. Cue up the music. (laughs) So, on April 16th of 2003 in Kendall County, Texas, 54-year-old Air Force Colonel Philip Shue left home shortly before 6 a.m. to head to work at Lackland Air Force Base. Two hours later, he was found dead in his car just off of the interstate, appearing to be the victim of a car crash. Appearing. So that's the the first potential thing is just, hey, it was a car crash. So far, it's actually pretty cut and dry. The car was caved in on the driver's side and Shu suffered severe head trauma and was killed instantly. Okay, that could happen, sure. But this wasn't just a run-of-the-mill car wreck. Things got fucking weird. Okay, so as police and emergency crews arrived, they noticed more than just a dented car with a dead man inside. He, of course, had multiple bruises and lacerations, as well as skull fractures, which probably resulted during the wreck. But Anymore, I don't know. But there was more. Shu had a t-shirt under his fatigues, which was torn down the front. Through the tear, they could see a six-inch long and one-inch wide vertical gash in his chest. One inch wide. Yeah. So that would mean like his chest was kind of pulled open. Kinda. To yeah. Be an, that's a, that's big. Usually an inch. Usually a gash is what like a centimeter, whatever a blade is. The de- the thickness mm-hmm. of a blade. Yeah, that would have to but be cut you also think kind of pulled. But you think right on the sternum, that skin's probably pretty taut because it's so closely connected to the bones. Yeah, from all the people you've murdered. Yep. No, if you watch them do a Y incision on an autopsy, because you know everybody watches those, right? I've seen one. I've seen a lot. Okay. You know, the skin just kind of splits open. What's creepy is when they do the face. Yeah. When they peel the face back. And you can hear it, like, sucking. Ew. Okay. Fuck hyphen that. Yummy. I mean, how are you just going to get on a plane and leave? Your feet are there the whole time. We're over feet, Billy. She's not. Over the feet. <laughs> this is going to bother me. Above the gash on Colonel Shoe's chest were at least five scratch marks, which were later noted in his autopsy report to be consistent with hesitation marks. Both of his nipples were gone. Just fucking gone. They were removed with surgical precision. No hesitation marks. The tip of his left pinky finger had been amputated, though it was unclear if this happened prior to the wreck or as a result of the wreck itself. His left ear was lacerated down to the bone, and some sources say the earlobe was amputated. That could have happened during the wreck. Severe head, skull fracture, head trauma. True. Remember when your mom bounced her head off the fucking table and ripped yeah, her ear Yeah, she open? split her ear in half. It was horrifying and awesome at the same time. I took pictures. She got in a fight with gravity. Gravity is God's bullet. Yeah. Landed uh, with her head sideways on the edge of a marble table and just split the ear right in fucking half. I got to take her stitches out. Anyway. We're over the ears. <laughs> we're if, over if, the if, ears. If you're over the feet, we're over the ears. We're past the ears. So... Stranger than all of these wounds was the duct tape dangling from both of his wrists and wrapped around his ankles at the top of his military boots. What are you laughing at? What if she sat next to a doctor and he just looked over and was like, your feet look like they need to be amputated. 
Just as soon as she sat down. <laughs> and she just popped right back up and was like, nope. <laughs> she just runs out of there screaming. <laughs> I thought we were over the feet, Billy. Kind of like that movie, They're Alive, when you put on the glasses and everybody's a fucking monster. Everybody's a doctor. They're like, oh, look at those feet. They're gonna go. <laughs> God. Okay, he's snorting. <sighs> uh, you can't check your feet at baggage. You take it with you the whole time. We're not talking about her feet right now. We're talking about Colonel Shoe's feet. Uh, go ahead. He had duct tape around his wrists and ankles. Poor bastard. And the official ruling of his death, to this day, suicide. If it is, nobody can deny that's the most creative suicide to this day. Mm Mm-hmm. That's some weird shit. So, a little bit about Colonel Shu. He was born July 22nd of 1948 and was raised in Brookville, Ohio. He joined the Air Force in 1970 after graduating with a Bachelor's of Science degree in pre-med. There is a long history involving Shu becoming a psychiatrist, discharging from the military to practice a civilian, then re-enlisting and furthering his education. I'm not going to go into all of that, but I would suggest looking up his history as there are some strange findings. (laughs) The host of the podcast just gave you fucking homework. (laughs) Yep. I'm going to tell you a couple His laptop with his master's thesis that was saved on it was reportedly stolen, but then just returned to him. And scoring a zero on a major final test that it's been proven he actually sat for. He's a dumbass doctor. Which could only have happened if he deliberately answered each question wrong. Yeah, because even statistically, (laughs) you'd have to get one thing right. Yeah, it wasn't like he didn't turn it in or anything. They proved that he actually sat for it, and every question was wrong, and he scored a zero. And I don't think anybody could have graduated with a bachelor's and been that dumb, unless they told him that his feet needed cut off. Then maybe. We don't know. That's the real mystery. (laughs) There are definitely strange things, but he was reportedly liked by everyone and had a decorated military history. And was generally known to be a laid-back, all-around good guy. Next time I see her, I'm going to be like, you're still just as tall as you were. (laughs) Good job. If they haven't rotted off by then. Yeah, like, she gets in a cab and the driver's like, smells like somebody needs to have their feet cut off. And she's like, no! She goes out, (laughs) just runs out in traffic. Wow, that's an astute taxi driver. (laughs) Just walked by somebody's like, yeah, the walk of a person that don't need their feet no more. <laughs> no, get out of my head. <laughs> well, anyway, it's not exactly directly linked to his death, but could have some bearing on his maybe psychological status at the time, his history. At this point, I'd believe anything. So, yeah. There's so much other shit we need to cover that I, I'm not going to go over all that, but I strongly suggest you you do some research on your own over the next two weeks. <laughs> so Colonel Shu ended up married to a woman named Nancy Shu. That's actually kind of sweet. Phil and Nancy, you know? Yeah. And their dog Skip. 
Except she was a certified sex therapist who had studied the practice of sadomasochism. That's the other. That's the other flag that went off my head. Like, oh man, a gash down his chest. His nipples were surgically removed, and he's duct taped. And his his wife, his ex-wife, was a sex therapist who studied sadomasochism. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Um, everywhere that I looked, I couldn't really find any reports of them having any children. I couldn't find anywhere that. Colonel Shu had any children with his first or second wife. I could be wrong, but I could not find it. And I researched a shit ton on all this stuff. Billy can verify. <laughs> long, long time. Yeah. Well, Phil and Nancy ended up separated after a few years. Uh, with she got a little too Mr. Gray on his ass. <laughs> their divorce was pending. And Philip began dating an Air Force nurse named Tracy. Tracy, Nancy, Phil. That was when Phil and Tracy were both stationed at Eaglin Air Force Base in Florida. Tracy later stated, quote, He didn't talk a lot about his first wife, other than to say there was not any love in the marriage. But leather. <laughs> Philip also told Tracy that his first wife spent money that, quote, they didn't have. On leather. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> or as... Whereas the, the great podcast, uh, my dad wrote a porno, they give reference to a leather room. She stepped into the leather room and she was like, what's this room for? Sex. <laughs> <laughs> Sex, Belinda. Jeez. Check out that podcast, it's really good. Uh, the divorce was finalized in 1993 and Philip and Tracy decided to marry. But something was hanging over Philip's head. This is fucking weird. I've never heard of this in my life. Yeah. His first wife, Nancy, was awarded the right to two life insurance policies on Philip in the divorce, totaling around $1 million. How does that happen? Philip had been demanding that Nancy cancel the policies starting back in 1990, but Nancy refused. So the ex-wife had the right to $1 million in life insurance money if her ex-husband died. See, that right there, when I read that, I was like, "Ah, that bitch did it. And if if I were her, I'd be like, spit in my mouth, you know, because sadomasochism. Anyway, I I wouldn't kill a guy, but I would get him like some Outback Steakhouse gift cards. I'd be like, you eat some burgers, buddy. Keep eating burgers. Here, here's another gift card. Here, take this one too. (laughs) You tried whiskey? Good. It's good stuff. So uh, you just want to kill him naturally? Yeah. You're my golden goose. 20 years from now. I got a golden ticket. I got a golden <laughs> ticket. You know, when you're diabetic, first thing to go? Your feet. Fucking feet. <laughs> well, in 1998, Philip was reassigned to Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. And he and Tracy bought a house in nearby Bernie, where they reportedly were happy and in love. Good for Phil. He did it. But in 1999, (laughs) Philip allegedly started getting anonymous typewritten letters warning the colonel of a plot to kill him. The first letter reads, Run! Dear Dr. Shu, please read this letter. You may be in danger. I'm writing because I remember you as such a kind and caring doctor, and I can't just sit by and not help you by telling you what I know. I'll try to keep it short so you're certain to read it. A friend of mine who worked with Don, your ex-wife's husband, 
told me some scary things. I don't know Dawn or your ex-wife myself. Sorry, I don't even know her name. My friend told me they wish you were dead so they could collect life insurance. I bet you when he read it, he was like, oh, shock, shock, shock. <laughs> I've been wondering about that every day as I have panic attacks in my bed <laughs> trying to go to sleep. About this bitch trying to kill me because she has my life insurance policy. The letter continues, I don't understand why they would have life insurance on you, but that's what my friend told me. My friend thinks they may actually be planning something. I don't know if they would actually hurt you, but please be careful. I had to write. If I didn't, I couldn't bear the thought of something bad happening to you that I could have prevented by telling you what I heard. If I hear anything more specific, I will let you know. Please be careful. I'm sorry to worry you, but I just couldn't not write and find out later that I could have stopped a bad thing from happening. See, even even the anonymous person got it too. I don't understand why they would have life insurance on you. Yeah, neither does the world. We don't understand why. And you can actually, which I was days in research before I actually came across this, but there is actually a copy of this letter online which is what I got this from. Um, so feel free to look that up and read it because there are some errors in spelling, but yet perfect comma placement in other places. The whole thing reads a little weird, and we'll get more into that in uh, the next episode. But give that a look. It's, it's interesting. When confronted by Philip about the warning, his ex-wife Nancy denied involvement, Shrugging it off as someone's sick joke. Okay. She shrugged it off as somebody's sick joke. She was like, I don't have anything to do with that. Somebody's fucking sick. Whatever. Okay. And you know what I was Phil? You know what I'd say? How the fuck does anybody even know you have a life insurance policy on me? Mm-hmm. How did that get... Do you go around telling people this? And, and then you come back and it's like, oh, they're just... They're just joshing you. Mm-hmm. Like, they knew about it. So you obviously spoke to somebody about this. And it's enough for them to contact me... And say, hey man, you should probably run. By the way, why do you have your insurance policy in her? Why does she have it? You know, but she obviously told, they found out. So it came from somewhere. And I did find it odd that when they said he contacted her, it was through letters and emails. He didn't like pick up the phone and call her. So evidently there's actual copies of letters and emails that were sent back and forth between the two which i just think is weird i would think you'd pick up the phone and be like what the fuck are you doing yeah (laughs) just strange well no because no because like with 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 written letters and emails you have no choice but to hear that person out if you call me like what the fuck i could just hit end i could just end the call i could just hang up on you and unplug the phone i don't have to hear from you but if you send me a letter that i have to read i can't interrupt you can't tell you to shut up i can't bounce i can't hit any points back i have to sit here and read everything that you said but then again the the other point the other side of it is why didn't philip or the anonymous writer go to the police just saying that's yeah we'll go into that more (laughs) well it could have been one of those things where maybe he thought the the person that wrote he or she or whatever thought like man maybe this is maybe this is all in my head i gotta say something but maybe i'm Maybe I'm jumping to conclusions. Maybe I'm trying to create a narrative in my head that's not even there. 
maybe he'll write me back and be like, Dad, dude, no, trust me, you're the third person this week to tell me I'm going to get killed by my ex-wife. Maybe it could have been that. Or maybe it, maybe he thought it was going to happen or, really soon or, and the cops wouldn't be able to even get to him, so he has to do it himself and say, run, man. Or was there really an anonymous letter writer to begin with? I don't, I don't, oh my God, I don't Not know. Not following? No. What if Philip wrote it himself? <sighs> maybe. Hmm. He did get a zero on that test. Maybe Stay tuned. <laughs> so... Philip's wife, Tracy, stated that up until this point, Philip had never had any mental or emotional issues. He reportedly started becoming depressed and anxious, as pretty much anyone would if they had this cloud hanging over their head of, my ex-wife could kill me at any time and collect money. It's called bitch who's that disorder. (laughs) Bitch who's that? (laughs) Bitch who's there? (laughs) Philip was so fearful for his life that he went to the insurance companies and explained that he was now a sitting duck pleading with them to cancel the policies. He was told that their hands were tied, that Nancy was the legal owner of the policies. I got a question. Um, I obviously don't work with insurance, but um, don't pay your policy. Let it lapse. Then She probably had to continue paying it, if I would guess. Oh. If she was awarded it, or it was like a, a standing thing... I don't know how that much money would be. Like, when my mom first opened her bank account that she still has to this day, you know, 30 years ago, they offered a thing where they'd give you $10,000 of life insurance because you opened the account. So, I mean, it could have been a couple of things like that, but I can't imagine somebody offering up to a million dollars in life insurance for a lump sum. You'd have to make payments on it, right? My mom hasn't. No, it was included in her thing. Tracy said, quote, This was a happy, healthy man who loved life until that first letter arrived. I understand. Philip would reportedly continue to get these anonymous warnings over the next several years. The last one reading, The plan is now delayed, but not canceled. Be careful. I can't identify myself because they may find out and stop letting information slip just want to throw this out there in case I forget to next time. In the first letter, it's the writer's friend who overheard the husband Don saying something. In this one, they're saying I can't reveal myself because they may quit letting information slip. If you just heard it from a friend, why does it matter who you are? The first letter was friend of a friend, right? A friend of a co-worker of her new husband. She got remarried to a man named Don. And according to the letter writer, their friend worked with Don and the friend told the writer that he had been saying some scary things about wanting to kill him getting insurance money. But in the second one, I can't reveal myself. They may quit letting information slip. If you just heard it from somebody, why does it matter? Just saying. Maybe the co-worker was in on it. I don't know. Was going to get a cut? Maybe. I don't know. I think we're blur twitching it and we're oh. reading really way into something. Yeah. This one's almost more perplexing than Blair. <laughs> In 2003, while being treated for his anxiety and depression by his own psychologist, Philip decided that he was going to retire from the Air Force. 
The two had already found their $600,000 dream home in Alabama to settle into. Damn. And put the deposit down on the new house on April 15th, 2003. Just 24 hours later, Philip would be dead. Oh, so he's not going to be okay. Timing? Odd. $600,000 house. Mm-hmm. You think they had like two bathrooms? Man, I bet they did. One and a half, probably. Yeah. One and a half? You're living large, I, I Billy. Think you're, I think you're really <laughs> underselling it. Oh, we have one and a half now. We moved up in the world. Yeah. I bet you he had like a pool. And our Maybe. half we have to share with the washer and dryer room, so. They might have had an in-ground pool. I don't want to, you know. Maybe. Uh, in Alabama? Man. Maybe. I bet you they had like a shed that like matched the house. That didn't have a hole in it? Yeah. I bet it was like a two-car <laughs> like garage. <ours. laughs> I bet it was easily a two-car garage. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he was a psychologist and she was a nurse, so. Yep. Yeah. They, they were probably making two good bank. Two bathrooms. Definitely two bathrooms. They were probably ballers, yo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, I watched... Um, there is a 48 Hours Mystery uh, show covering this. And you can actually see his wife, Tracy. And you can tell she's probably had some Botox or something. So I'm sure she's got... Especially now that he's dead and she's probably collected more insurance on him. Wait, his pretty first good, wife or second wife? His second one. I thought the first wife was going to get all that. She had two policies, but then he had his own policies. How many can you have? That left his new wife as a beneficiary. He was the policyholder of that. His ex-wife was the policyholder of the two that she won in the divorce. Well, I know, but how many policies can you have on yourself? As many as you want, I suppose, as long as you're paying them. I guess I just don't have much self-worth. We're not ballers, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I got sad. <laughs> Moving on. The day of the crash, two witnesses witnessed Shoe's car around 8 o'clock going about 60 to 65 miles per hour down Interstate 10 near mile marker 543. His car, quote, traveled down the center median for several hundred yards and negotiated between two light poles then striking an object in the median, causing the car to become airborne, then coming down on all four tires. The vehicle then corrected and re-entered the highway, continuing west. So, several hundred yards, we're talking a few football fields of him just driving down the center medium, missing pretty much every obstacle in his way, and then getting back on the highway. The witnesses said he traveled at that speed in the lane for another few minutes. Like a boss. But just after his exit at mile marker 539, so about four miles. So you think how long does it take you on the interstate to drive four miles? It's going to take several minutes. He then crossed the side median and access road, never braking. The car traveled 43 feet between leaving the highway and clipping a tree which caused the car to bounce off and spin into another tree, which is the one that caved in the driver's side. The Johns Road exit that he had passed was the last exit leading back to his home that you would encounter for the next several miles. So right after this exit, he, what looks like intentionally, turned the car without braking 
ended up hitting the trees. Sure, why not? So, the autopsy. I read it in its entirety. I will try to remember to put the link to it in the show notes. But if I forget, it can be found on cbsnews.com. Can I do it? If you want to read the whole thing. www.cbsnews.com slash h-t-d-o-c-s slash p-d-f slash b-c-m-e underscore underscore autopsy.pdf. I wasn't going to read that. I just put that in there to remind myself to put it in the show notes. But Like a dyslexic kid at a spelling bee, I just want to participate. You read it like a boss. I read something. So, yeah, you can find that on CBS News and also a psychological autopsy. And that may be the site where I found the copy of the letter, but I'm not positive. The autopsy was performed by Dr. Vincent DeMaio, and I'll just run through some major points here regarding the injuries and other significant weird shit. So starting out an autopsy, they always do uh, an observation and assessment of what the body looks like in general before they disrobe them or do any cutting or anything. Before they're like, there was a hematoma. <laughs> In the rectus and transverse <laughs> abdominis. If you're a real fan of Seven, you'd know that. <laughs> so the first thing that Dr. DeMaio noticed was that Colonel Shue's undershirt uh, was noted to still be tucked in with a, quote, neat cut and partial tear of the center of the t-shirt beginning approximately two inches above where it is tucked into the pants. Excuse me. He didn't burp in that quote. Erica just did that shit. (laughs) And extending to and through the neckline. This next thing I found very strange, and I only saw it mentioned in the actual autopsy report in one person's comments on another site. Quote, Beneath the jockey-style undershorts is a small amount of white fiber material consistent with that found in a diaper. Also underneath the undershorts is a tab with a cartoon figure of a sun and a moon consistent with a tab from a diaper and gel-like material adhered to the skin of the scrotum and penis, which is also consistent with that found inside the absorbent area of a diaper. The actual outer paper portion of the diaper is not present. So do you think you like doing dressing up that like a baby? You know what I'm talking about? That fetish? I don't know, and... I went so far in my research that I actually tried to look up different diaper designs from that year to see if I could find a diaper that has a cartoon sun and moon. I couldn't. The the images that Google threw back at me, I mean, there were just way too many to sift through. But I actually did try and locate this alleged diaper. The only thing that bothers see. me is... I didn't see anywhere in the autopsy report that the fibers or the gel were actually tested to see what they were. See, that's why, that's why, I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy, but I guess that's why you're not an actual detective now. Like, well, you know, I wanted to cross-reference all these, so I went back to the date of the the year that these diapers were made, and I wanted to find a particular design to match. So, what'd you find, detective? Nothing. Google had way too much shit, so. Are you guys paying me to solve this? No. No? Okay. Then, then 
I'm just I, saying. <laughs> I didn't need to go to that extreme. Sorry, Chief. I just... I uh, was like, hmm, I've been looking at fucking diaper designs for 15 minutes. I'm going to move on now. What's weird is if I, if I walked by in the kitchen and saw you on the d- laptop, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> 2003 diaper design, sun and moon. Fuck me. Good Lord. Okay. So also, there was an L-shaped cut or tear that was noted to the back left pocket around the pocket like as if someone or something caught on the pocket and it started to rip away from the pants but without tearing the actual pocket open like when you're running from somebody you jump over a fence and if anyone here is familiar with um fatigues or bdus or whatever you want to call them uh the back pockets are buttoned correct yeah yeah so it's buttoned but the whole pocket's kind of ripped away at one corner from the rest of the pants. Quote, loose on the skin just underneath each eye are contact lenses. The one on the left is bloody and folded, and the right is just folded and not bloody. Does this happen? Do contact lenses just shoot off of your eyes and onto your cheeks in a high-velocity impact? Uh, this it could. Have you seen those videos of people getting hit by cars and their shoes just go? Yeah, but contacts? And they happen to land on your cheeks, right below your eyes. Maybe. This was not found anywhere else in my research besides the autopsy report, and no one's, like, questioned it, and it just seems very odd to me. I mean, if I'm saying this is crazy shit and there's an actual reason for it, please let me know, because I'm extremely curious about this. I've just never heard of somebody's contacts popping off of their eyes in a wreck and landing on their cheeks just weird just saying (laughs) Uh, another weird thing which also is not mentioned anywhere but the report quote the chest has a moderate amount of chest hair which in areas has been shaved off much of the upper portion of the right side of the chest has been shaved with hair stubble present the lower sternum to the epigastric region has been shaved, which is um, the lower part of your center chest where that sternum bone is, and the epigastric is right at the top center of where your, like, your abdomen is. When this is over, remind me to tell you a funny story. Okay. There is a 4-inch by 3-inch area on the upper left side of the chest, which has been shaved but has hair stubble. So he's got these weird patches of shaved hair all over his chest. But there's already stubble regrowth. Hmm. Fucking weird. The whole thing's weird. Just, I feel bad for the coroner. Just patches of hair. Just... Why? <laughs> I'm just... The more I read this, I'm just like, oh my god. Alright, flip them over. Let's go look at the nipples. <laughs> Philip had massive fractures all around the skull, bilateral face, and jaw. But oddly, the nose wasn't broken. You would think the part that's, like, sticking out. The most vulnerable part of your face is really your nose. I mean, and he literally had fractures all over his head. I mean, he even had a free-floating bone on the side of his head because it was fractured so bad. The incision in his chest only extended through the subcutaneous tissue, but not into the fascia overlying the sternum, which is the connective tissue Uh, that surrounds the muscles so basically like referring back to an autopsy 
kind of that first incision where it just splits the fat open, but it doesn't go all the way down to the bone and muscle. That's kind of what it was on his chest. Like when I had my surgery. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Except that wasn't really over a bony area, so might be a little bit different. Before we get too far, I have a funny story. You made me think of it when you were talking about tearing the pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. In Iraq, my first tour, we were convoying into the country from Kuwait, and we stopped and got fueled. We're talking like a huge convoy. The whole, like, fucking brigade. So, I'm driving. It was my turn to drive. And we were getting fuel, so the convoy had to go, like, in a serpentine pattern for everybody to stop and get fuel. And I'm sitting there serpentining, and it hits me. Diarrhea. The sergeant in the truck is a good friend of mine, Sergeant Van Dusen. I just spoke to him recently. He's a chief warrant officer. He's about to retire. Shit bird. <laughs> you shit bird. <laughs> and I was like, Sergeant, I got to go shit. And he said, what? I said, I got to shit. Take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> he said, you can't just get out and go shit. I said, I'm about to shit right now. Like, it's ha- it doesn't. It, my ass doesn't care. It's happening right now. Is this when you shit outside? Yeah, well, I did that a lot in the first tour. Did it a lot. <laughs> so I'm running. Well, duck walking. Removing shit as I go. Like gas mask, my bandolier of ammunition, just dropping behind me. And I got out. I didn't... As if you were on fire, removing the burning clothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even get... Because we had to pull off the highway to refuel. I didn't make it to the other other lane. I got to the median, and I did not even unbutton my pants. I ripped them down, and my bayonet caught my pocket and cut my pocket open. And then I bent over. At least you didn't cut your ass open. Yeah. And I bent over, and it was like a super soaker. I didn't even have a chance to squat. I bent over, and out it came. Horizontal. God. Parallel to earth. Just Boom. (laughs) Everybody is honking. Everybody is getting out and cussing. And I'm shitting. It's screaming. It burns. It burns. I'm sorry. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm not. It won't. It can't. So a whole brigade watched me just shit. Power shit. I painted the desert. And I had to use the little napkins that are in MREs. <laughs> so I gotta like, take it out and fold it. <laughs> give it away to this monstrosity that's behind here. It took so much. Because <laughs> before I ran out there, I ran to the back of the truck. I'm like, TP, 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 TP. Phone, phone, Anybody? phone. And they started tossing me these little fucking, there's like four or five in one MRE. And they're uh-huh. like, here, take them. Take, take, and I picked them up like a little fucking squirrel grabbing nuts. I took them all and just <laughs> running with them. <sighs> There's, yeah. So I can understand your pocket you really, ripping. Sure. You really shit on Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I can totally understand a pocket ripping. Yeah. Erica, go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, back to Philip. Uh, let's see. Draw a picture of that. <laughs> Go for it, Heather. <laughs> you got this. 
so, um, yeah, so we were talking about the cut on his chest, and then there was, of course, the duct tape that was noted around each individual ankle and around the individual wrists with loose ends hanging off. There, if you watch the documentary, you can find it on YouTube under 48 Hours Mystery. They flash partial pictures of his body, and it doesn't state in the autopsy report specifically, but I don't think. But the tape is all the way around each individual ankle. They're not duct taped together, but they're not loose on the ends on the ankles, but they are dangling loose from the wrists. Just wanted to make that noted. No illicit drugs or alcohol were found in the bloodstream, but diphenhydramine and lidocaine were. Now, diphenhydramine is the generic name for Benadryl and other over-the-counter allergy medicines and sleep aids. Basically, if you go to the store and you buy Unisom or the generic Equate brand sleeping aid, it's basically Benadryl. It's two Benadryl. The equivalent of two Benadryl is a sleep aid. And they just package it as something different. That's <laughs> just, how they get your if money. You, if you see diphenhydramine on any box, it's basically allergy medicine. That might help you sleep. So his level was 0.49 milligrams per liter. And I researched all this way too much too. So this is equivalent of being very far from anything lethal or even toxic. He you're, had... You're probably on a fucking list. He... <laughs> oh, I'm sure that happened a long looking time up, ago. <laughs> looking up Benadryl and baby diapers. Yeah, you're probably on a list. He had what would be considered a normal or therapeutic range level of Benadryl in his system. Nothing that was toxic. A lethal adult dose is above 19 milligrams per liter. But just one 50 milligram dose, which is two Benadryl tabs, typically what is labeled for a sleep aid, can have the same effect on driving as six to eight ounces of alcohol. Now, lidocaine that was also found in his system is also known as xylocaine, lidoderm, solarcaine, basically anything that ends in ain is an anesthetic, and um, I was unaware of this, but it's also an antiarrhythmic agent, which means it can numb the skin as the anesthetic, but it's also used to treat irregular heartbeats when they give it intravenously. Now, fun fact I also encountered, it can also be used as a numbing agent for premature ejaculation. She found that out in her studies. Now you know. In her studies, she found it out. Yeah. In my studies. What? What? I don't use it. I didn't say you did. I'm just putting that out there. The listeners probably like, oh, I wonder how you came across that. Oh, that's because Billy can't seem to hold it. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> that's what I thought right when I read it, too. I'm like, wow, they're going to think... No, I threw it in as a fun fact because I came across that, and I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah, you want a fun fact for a sad date night. <laughs> Should have taken him to Olive Garden. Oh, my God. I have... I, I wrote it down. Hold on. I wrote it down. I wrote it down, guys. He wrote it down. That's all you need to know. Hold on. I'm getting it. You don't need to know what it is. <laughs> I don't even need to know what it is, but he wrote it down. So, this guy came in to work. 
I'm wearing my Martinis and Macabre t-shirt. Yep. He was wearing an Olive Garden t-shirt. <laughs> With spaghetti, anything's possible. Oh my god. Couldn't believe it. It was amazing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's the circle of life. Habadabagabayamani. Oh my god. I couldn't believe it. It was two great things that came together. I, I kind of wanted to be like, man, we should hug. If but this is your first episode, go back to, we think it's 18. Take always, a prom date. Always take your prom date to Olive Garden. People seem to like that one. <laughs> it was a good episode. And that is where Billy took me for our anniversary. They're expensive. <laughs> it was good, though. We, yeah. If somebody has a $600,000 house, they can do this shit every night. Anyway, back to the lidocaine. His level was 2.4 milligrams per liter. Wait, let's go back. I'm confused. Yes. Lethal adult is not, or lethal, a lethal adult. That's oh. me. A lethal adult <laughs> dose is 19 milligrams, but 150 milligram dose is 2 Benadryl. That's more than a lethal dose. Milligrams per liter. Well, then what's a regular one? 50 milligram dose is just the dose. The milligrams per liter is the concentration in your blood. Oh. Because you got to think how many liters of fluid are pumping through you. You take in that 50 so, milligrams, how so is that going to break down in your 50 system? 50 milligram dose, which is normal per liter, that 50 drops a lot, right? Huh? Would it be 50 milligrams per liter? No. That's what I'm saying. So that dose would translate per liter, that 50 milligrams would be a lot lower. Be it under was 19. probably close to the 0 0.49 milligrams per liter that they found in his system. So a 0 0.49 milligrams per liter is a 50 milligram No, I could not. Dose. I could not break that down. That's going to depend on how his body breaks it down and the concentration in his bloodstream. Guess who's not a pharmacist? This guy. Yeah, the dose is different than the actual concentration in the bloodstream. Okay. You can ingest a certain dose, but the person next to you may ingest the same dose, and it may be, you know, broken down different in their system, and they could have a higher level than you have. Just like you wouldn't give 50 milligrams to a baby because they're smaller, there's less liters. That would be a much more significant dose per liter. Unless the baby likes to party. Maybe. Benadryl party. <laughs> Benadryl party. <laughs> we're to get together this Sunday. We're going to watch Netflix. You mean bring anything? Benadryl. What? <laughs> bring nothing but Benadryl. By watching, I mean sleeping. So, Philip's level was uh, of lidocaine was 2.4 milligrams per liter, which is about half of a toxic dose. It's noted in the autopsy report that Philip's, quote, self-prescribed lidocaine cream 10 days prior to death. I'm not sure what exactly he prescribed that to himself for or if that was a actual prescription. I didn't think you could write your own prescriptions and get them filled. He may have had like an over-the-counter, like we have that lidocaine gel, you know, we bought over-the-counter. So I'm not sure where the doctor got this information from or what it was prescribed for. Or he could have just had a prescribed, I mean... He's a doctor and he can't prescribe himself anything. But pretty sure if you're a doctor, you know another doctor. 
Maybe like, hey, look, hey, you know, I need some lidocaine. I can't prescribe myself. Can you do me a solid, Frank, and just write me out a prescription for it? I'll buy you coffee. But, you know what I mean? But the medical examiner then shouldn't have noted in the autopsy report, quote, self-prescribed lidocaine cream. Well, maybe he sucks. Maybe that's why he works on dead people and not alive ones. Yeah, maybe know. that's why he called this a suicide. Just saying. Despite all this, the level of lidocaine found in his system was higher than what would have been found from just applying it topically. And I tried researching you know, the different absorption rates and how much higher the level would be if it's injected versus, you know, applied topically on the skin. I couldn't really come up with a certain way of figuring that out. But what I could figure out is that it was higher than what would generally be found from just applying it topically. Dr. DeMaio noted in the report that Colonel Shu was, quote, witness to make a deliberate turn to leave the highway, go up an embankment, and hit a group of trees without breaking. His, quote, conclusion, in consideration of the circumstances surrounding the death and after examination of the body, it is our opinion that the death of Philip Michael Shu, a 54-year-old white male, died as a result of massive craniocerebral injuries. Injuries to the brand skull, basically. I said me a $10 word. <laughs> that resulted when he was witnessed to drive his vehicle abruptly off the road, go up an embankment, impacting one tree with his vehicle, causing it to spin and impacting a second tree. There is no evidence that he at any time tried to break his car. The incised wound of the chest and incised nipples are not part of the trauma of the accident. Really, you don't say. It is unclear if the traumatic amputation of the distal fifth finger is from the accident or not. He has a reported history of psychological problems. There is no evidence that any other individual was involved in his death or the infliction of his incised wounds. Dr. DeMaio, when asked during an interview years later, if Shu mutilated himself and went to all these bizarre lengths just to kill himself, he responded, quote, well, based on the information that was provided, that's the only conclusion. The only conclusion? Only. At the very least, accidental. He felt that Shu had to have injected himself in each nipple and the center of the chest to numb the areas before performing the mutilations on himself, explaining the lidocaine found in his system. Okay. Why would you do that? If you're just going to go run yourself into a tree, which isn't even guaranteed to kill you, you're going to cut off your nipples first, wrap your arms and ankles in duct tape, and slit your chest open? Sure. We don't know. I don't think he can conclusively say this was suicide. If anything, undetermined, accidental. Death by misadventure. I don't understand how legally this can be classified as a suicide. <clears throat> there is no evidence that he deliberately tried to kill himself. Other than what he's saying, the witnesses saw he didn't break. That doesn't mean that he was doing it intentional. What if he was unconscious? What if he wasn't in his right mind because he had Benadryl in the system? What if he was fucking fleeing from someone who just tortured him and he accidentally took a turn. I wonder if that happened to him and they just put him in the car and he woke up and freaked out. I was like, I didn't know! And then, like, just hit the gas. Yeah! I mean... His last words were, my nipples! And then... 
I just, me personally, I don't see how this can be conclusively labeled a suicide. No. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what exactly happened, but I can't conclusively say that he was deliberately trying to kill himself. The DA convened an investigative grand jury, and they reportedly found no evidence of a crime. Because duct tape on the wrist doesn't account for anything. That's not weird. Missing nipples doesn't account for anything. Shu's wife Tracy wasn't accepting suicide as the answer and hired world-renowned pathologist Dr. Cyril Wecht. And if you watch the documentary, you see him, you've probably seen him on other things. He's a very well-known pathologist. Some sources state he did another autopsy, and some state that he just examined the original report. Is he the guy on um, the show Autopsy on HBO? No, that's Michael Bodden. Oh, okay. He's another very well-known one. Yeah, he is. So Dr. Cyril Wecht stated unequivocally that this was not suicide, noting that there weren't any injection marks found on the body for the lidocaine, and saying the levels of lidocaine weren't even high enough to relieve pain. Quote, we have no injection site identified by the pathologist in the original autopsy, none I find, no needle or syringe found, and no cutting instrument of any kind to be attributed to Colonel Shu. There's an equally plausible scenario to such marks, and they're called torture. His fingerprints were not found on the duct tape, and no gloves were found. I would place my bet that this was a homicide. Hmm. There are some other notable things from the car wreck scene. Uh, including a working cell phone in the car. No calls have been made from or to the phone after leaving the house that morning. What year did he die? 2003. You think it was a Motorola Razor? I don't think the Razors were out then. Yeah, they were. Were they? Yeah. Hmm. I remember your younger sister having one, and then I joined the I Army do in 2002. Know, I do know that it was a flip phone. I bet it was a Razor. Because they did <clears throat> find um, blood. On the inside of the phone. You know, the Motorola Razor was the shit. It's no iPhone, but... No. Did you know I found that in a uh, museum? Like, the history of the cell phone? The Motorola Razor's in there. As <laughs> really? an exhibit. Yeah. Is Nokia? I think Those so. were our first phones. Did Those you know... little one-piece, you could snap the plastic covers on them and... And get stitches. They had... Remember? Yeah. I remember... Somebody sliced open their fucking finger trying to open a cell phone with a sharp butterfly knife. That was me. I was trying I was yeah. trying to get the cover off. Yeah. With a butterfly knife. Sharp, too. Yes. It was really... Sliced right fucking through your finger. I want to get a new one, but I can't. We had to go to the ER. Me and Kristen had to go to the ER. You had to meet up later, freaked out. Yeah. I get a call at work. Um... Your husband just sliced his finger open. We're going to the emergency room. What? What was he doing? Trying to pry the cover off a cell phone. <laughs> Not like making a gourmet dinner, you know, chopping vegetables. No, 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 Gia. No. Not a butter knife. A butterfly knife. You know, oh, speaking of which, butterfly knife. Yeah, like I said, I've been looking for one. Can't mm -hmm. find one. Like eBay and shit like that. Mm -hmm. I can't buy one. Why? I don't know. I guess they're illegal now. You could buy you could buy training ones. But um, I read this this little thing online where a dude found his old Nokia. I think like in a box or something when he was packing up his stuff or whatever. Found it, turned it on, 
The bitch had like like seventy percent battery. Those motherfuckers were fucking durable, man. Nokia, snake on them. Nokia needs to make a little fucking. They need to I miss my ringtone from my Nokia. It was called Orient, and I can't find it anywhere. It was on Shaun of the Dead. Ed's phone. I love that ringtone. Okay, let's get back to Ted. Just saying. Oh, you're bringing it around this time. Well, look at the big brain on Brad. You a smart motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Right. The so, metric system. So he had the potentially Razor <clears throat> cell phone. I bet it was a Razor. No calls being made. <clears throat> he had $47 on him, but his wallet was missing. You know, the one that should have been in the back pant pocket that was ripped away? Yeah. But still buttoned? He had the shit really bad and did not care. <laughs> so, even the tear around the pocket wouldn't have allowed the wallet to have fallen out because it should have been buttoned shut. So, the pocket would have had to have been unbuttoned, the wallet removed, and then buttoned closed. Despite what Dr. Cyril Weck said, there was one latex glove found, but it appeared to have never been worn. And if you've been in any part of the medical profession, you can tell the difference in latex gloves, whether they were worn or not. Billy would know because of tattooing. You know if it's been worn or mm-hmm. not. You can see the shape of the hand where it's stretched. Yeah, you can usually tell in the knuckles. Yeah, it's either completely flat or it's like rumpled. Lazy. Mm, it's yeah. like, if, if, if a used latex glove had a sound, it's this. Bleh. <laughs> They also found two small pocket knives, but neither were sharp enough to make the incisions found on Colonel Shoe. And that is where we will bring this week's episode to a close. Because it's just fucking weird and there's more shit to go through. And then we're going to go through this piece by piece and question the fuck out of it next time. We've been questioning the fuck out of it right now, to be honest with you. Fuck. There's so many things. It's just overwhelming. What the damn? What the damn? All right. So, uh, I can't remember if I read any last episode or not. I've slept and drank alcohol since then. But, um... <laughs> Funny if you let one of those reviews get through. It's like, you guys suck! Oh, wait, no. No, I'm not supposed to read that one. If I'm reading anyone's again, you're welcome. This one says, okay, I love this podcast by Henny Blanco from the Dirt Nap Podcast. The hosts have great rapport and the subject matter is dark just the way I like it. Definitely check them out. Thank you, Henny. Thanks. And this next one is hilarious by Little Monkey 1991. This podcast is seriously my happy place. If I'm having a bad day, I always listen to the shows and I get a good laugh. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. Uh, If you would like the chance to be uh, read aloud on our podcast here, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can possibly leave a review. Give us a nice little five-star rating. And those five-star ratings make us more easy to find Mm -hmm. It bumps us up in the ranks. I don't know where we stand on iTunes. I don't even know if they have an actual... Other than being in, like, the top 200, you don't have, like, a ranking kind of like you do on Stitcher. 
um, our Stitcher ranking was the highest it's ever been. What last week? Yeah. One, one thousand something. So that's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, leave us a review, five star rating. We would appreciate it so much. We love hearing your feedback. Um, the messages we've been getting on Facebook, it really means a lot to us to know that we're doing something that you guys enjoy and we enjoy doing it for you. So yeah, there's that whole spiel. You can, uh, visit our website, martinisandthemacabre.com. We've got a bio page with some pictures of Billy and I. Um, we've got an episode catalog, has every episode on it. You just click the picture and it'll take you to the link on our Libsyn webpage. Uh, listen to all of them there. You don't have to download anything. Uh, we also have a contact page. You can contact us through the website or email us directly at martinisandthemacabre at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, topic suggestions, we're open to it all. If you want to tell us to fuck off, that's fine too. I, I'd like it if you didn't, but... We're grown. You can take if, it. If you want to. I wouldn't think you would have listened this far into the episode to go, you know what, fuck you guys. But hey, if you're that kind of person, more power to you. I want to thank Phaser765 for the artwork. He just put up uh, a new one that he just made for fun on the Friends of the Martinis and the Cobb Facebook page if you want to see that. Which we should probably make that our new cover. I like it. Yeah, we could. Um, he also makes music and he's got a Patreon page so you can donate to him to support his artwork and his music. Uh, I will add another new song. I have a huge catalog of them now. <laughs> we finally went through and got them all downloaded. I'll put a new one at the end of this show. Um, if you like what you hear, you know, find him on SoundCloud or YouTube. Reach out to him. Let him know he's doing a good job. We think he's pretty awesome. And on the 16th, it's his birthday. So if you want to go on the Martinis and the Macabre page or friends of Martinis and the Macabre, wish him a happy birthday. It'll probably yeah. mean the whole world to him. Yeah, because actually, <clears throat> hopefully I will get this edited and released on the day of release which is wednesday which will be his birthday i think we could do it i'm gonna try my hardest <laughs> we haven't recorded two days prior to release and tried to get it out on time but we've had some setbacks this week so yeah wish him a happy birthday happy birthday phaser 765 um, he will be a teenager yeah we will have a fucking teenager we're so old Gicky clothing right now is down. I'm changing my e-commerce platform, so it's going to be a little while, but it should be back, and it should be better than it was before. And we will still be offering official martinis and the macabre merchandise once we get that back open, so uh, stay tuned. Follow the Gicky Clothing Facebook page, and we'll keep you updated on there. Yeah. Or Billy will. Try. I'm an admin, but I don't do much on there except go, hey, cool stuff. I'm going to share it. That's kind of his thing. And like I said at the beginning, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I finally did update Instagram with uh, pictures from all the episodes. Listen to Bloody Murder. Yeah, listen to Bloody Murder. Awesome Aussies. I would do an Australian accent, but I am horrible at it. And um, I think that's about it. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but maybe I'm not. I got nothing. Well, 
All right, guys. Um, take care. Stay tuned. Keep engaging. We love hearing the feedback, interacting with you guys. It's awesome. Um, thank you all so much. Stay safe, and we'll see you with this weird conclusion in two weeks. Take care. Bye.